Hello there, Atlanta, and welcome to another edition of Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920, The Answer. We've got an Atlanta real estate, residential real estate market update for the last week for you. Also got something interesting that we think everybody who lives in Atlanta should know about Atlanta. This time we're going to talk about the Woodruff Arts Center, going to talk about the history of Halloween, where did trick-or-treating come from, and if you want to buy a home and the home is in a floodplain, can you do it? We're going to talk about that and more. Again, my name is Cleve Gaddis, or I might not have introduced myself already. My name is Cleve Gaddis. You're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio, where we help listeners go from real estate novices to experts, so home buying and selling can be done with total confidence and without all the worry typical with life's biggest investments. We would love nothing more than to communicate with you. What questions do you have? What problems do you have? What concerns do you have? What can we help you with? Anybody, anytime can go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio.com. You can ask questions that we'll answer on the air. In fact, a lot of the questions I'll answer on today's show came through that method. You can make comments. You can push back. You can challenge ideas that I share. You can share your ideas. You can ask for your neighborhood to be featured on the neighborhood spotlight, which comes up in the fourth segment of the show, or you can subscribe to the podcast. You can get our podcast on all major podcasting platforms. And so whether you are a Google podcast user or Spotify or SoundCloud or whatever or an Apple podcast, please download our podcast. That way you will get the show delivered to you in either two or four easy-to-consume bites every single week. Let's talk about what's happening in the residential real estate market in Metro Atlanta. Last week, for those of you who listen every week, you know that we gave you a an update through the end of September, uh, for the month of September, and through year-to-date September. This week, we're just going to look back at the last week. So this is the activity that has taken place in Metro Atlanta through the first multiple listing service just in the last seven days. That's right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days, one week. There have been 1,908 new listings put in the listing service. That's right, 1,908 new homes listed or new listings. They're not necessarily new homes. It might be resales or condos or townhomes. 1,908 of those listed within the last week. There have been almost 1,300, 1,299 to be specific homes with a price decrease. So that means almost 1,300 sellers in Metro Atlanta within the last seven days have raised their hand and said to the buyers out there, hey, I might be more motivated to sell than other sellers. Now, it could be because they priced their home too high. It could be that when they reduce the price, it's still not a very good deal. It could be that the home is not in the best condition. But if you're out there, you're a buyer, you're looking to buy a home, and you keep feeling like you're shut out, meaning the market is very competitive right now, and you feel like no matter what house you find or where it is, somebody beats you to the punch and buys the home, well, ask your agent to take a look at the homes that had price decreases that might be in your market area in your price range. In the last seven days, 1,824 homes went under contract. As we tell you each week when it goes under contract, buyer makes an offer, seller and buyer negotiate back and forth, and they put together paperwork called the Purchase Agreement in the state of Georgia. That means that happened 1,824 times over the last seven days, and there were 2,308 closings. Again, 2,308 closings. Always interesting when we have a few more new listings than the homes going under contract, 
very little difference, but we had 1,908 new, new listings come on the market. We only had 1,824 homes go under contract, which means there was more inventory available in the Metro Atlanta market at the end of last week than there was in the prior week. Certainly one week does not make a year, but for buyers who are out there who are concerned that they're having to compete too often with too many people uh, in order to get a home in today's market, you might find that in the month of November, December, and January, you have a little less competition because sometimes buyers don't want to get into the market around the holiday season. It could be that this year is different, but my suggestion for you is that if you feel like you've been locked out of the market, don't feel locked out of the market because inventory might start to increase just a little bit or at a minimum buyer demand will start to increase. So anyway, Metro Atlanta market is really, really, really going strong. Hey, if you want to sell your home anytime in the next three to six months and you feel stuck because of the coronavirus, the you think you might have to sell for less or it'll take forever, or you might miss your time frame, meaning can you make your purchase line up with your sale? In other words, you don't want to be homeless selling your home and but moving into a new one. But I don't think you should feel stuck at all. The coronavirus might have helped the market in giving you better options. We'd like to show you how to sell your house for $28,000 more than what your neighbor sold for. And we say $28,000 because based on our research, we believe the average home seller in Metro Atlanta leaves about $28,000 on the table when they sell their home, meaning they're selling their home for less money than they could. We also think in addition to getting you the $28,000 more, we can uh, make your timing work out perfectly and ensure the entire process is safe for you know everyone, especially you. Just visit gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio.com. Click on that 28,000 more link, and that'll unlock your home's full value and make timing really a non-issue. I'm serious, though. Don't go cool clicking on that link unless you really, really, really want to sell your house and you want to sell it for $28,000 more than your neighbor. You're probably wondering, hey, this sounds like sensationalism. The truth is, is it is real. We do this for people all the time. I could give you countless examples of places where people thought the house was worth 300 and we wound up selling it for 350 or 400 and we sold it for 450 or, or whatever. And we just go in and we understand, number one, just how high can you push the price of a house? In a lot of cases, people are limiting their search of comparables and so they don't really know just how high you can push the price. Sometimes you can go outside of your neighborhood and look at other neighborhoods within the same school district, and those would be considered good comparable. So first off, we're going to do a customized maximum value plan free of charge. We used to sell those for $799, and they are amazing. And then we'll look into whether or not your property needs a property repositioning program. Do we need to change the aesthetics of the home, the cosmetics of the home, to make it appeal to more buyers? And can we do it and spend just a little bit of money? We had a guest on last week's show, Jeff Hayes, who said we helped him invest six or seven thousand dollars in his home, and he thought it made somewhere between a forty and a forty-five thousand dollar difference in his price. He was able to pay the money back at closing, no cost, no fees, no nothing, and that's called our rehab and refresh program. And I think that's only available through Gaddis Partners at Remax Center. So I don't know that you would find others who do that. There might be a broker or two out there that will advance you some money, but my guess is. If you look at how the fees work, it might wind up being a little bit counterproductive for you. So here's something you should know about Metro Atlanta. I don't know how many of you have ever been to the Woodruff Art Center. Uh, I have been to the Woodruff Art Center several times myself, and I just want to give you some details. This is directly from the Woodruff Art Center website. It says it takes a lot of creativity, training, and experience to produce a new piece of theater. 
perform a classical piece of music or mount a world-class art exhibit, but it happens all the time at the Woodruff Arts Center through the Alliance Theater, the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, and the High Museum of Art. The Woodruff Arts Center opened in 1968 and was originally called the Memorial Arts Center. The project was an authentic milestone in Atlanta history, simultaneously remembering arts patrons who died in the 1962 Orly plane crash and continuing their legis le legacy by assuring a central place for the arts in Atlanta's future. The Woodruff Arts Center in Atlanta, Georgia is one of the only arts venues in the United States to offer both visual and performing arts on a single campus. The Woodruff produces outstanding theater, music, and exhibitions for over 800,000 patrons per, per year. Each week, we want to make sure that everybody is learning something about Metro Atlanta, and hopefully this week, what we've taught you about the Woodruff Arts Center, you consider it interesting, and maybe you'll tell someone else who lives in Metro Atlanta who's never been to the Woodruff Arts Center uh, that they probably should go and take a look. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Birchfield and Capital City Home Loans. John makes it his mission to guide each home buyer step-by-step step through the entire loan process so they are confident in the mortgage options available, and really, he just wants you to make the best decisions along the way. You can reach John by calling 678-226-7887, 678-226-7887. I was thinking this past week, since we've got Halloween, going to be a weird Halloween, I would assume, because of COVID. I'm going to have candy available at my house. I'm going to have a mask, and I'm going to have some gloves. I'm going to buy the biggest candy bars I can get my hands on because I'm sure the crowd will be smaller this year, and I want to reward the little ones who come to my home. But I wondered, where did trick-or-treating come from? And so I did a little research online, same way you could do it, and it says, while some identify precursors to trick-or-treating in ancient Celtic customs, Modern trick-or-treating is thought to be a custom borrowed from guising or mumming in England, Scotland, and Ireland. These involve dressing in costumes and singing a rhyme, doing a card trick, or telling a story in exchange for a sweet. So in that particular, well, which makes sense, by the way, trick-or-treating today, you have to dress up in a costume, you have to say trick-or-treat. So in other words, you have to perform, I guess, to get your candy, so that makes sense. Some have traced the earliest print reference to the term trick-or-treat to 1927 in Canada, it appears that the practice didn't really take hold in the U.S., though, until the 1930s, where it wasn't always well-received. The demanding of trick of the treat angered or puzzled some adults, which is interesting. I would assume that that is not the case today. Everybody who is out trick-or-treating probably gets treated uh, with some nice, delicious candy. Got a listener question. This is from Melanie in Peachtree Corners. We're interested in a home, but our agent says it's in a floodplain and we shouldn't look at it. We want to look at it anyway. What advice do you have? Oh, my gosh, I can't imagine. Melanie, maybe she says we, maybe Melody and her husband or partner, they're looking for a house. They're desperate to find a house. And now the agent is saying, hey, don't look at this one because it's in a floodplain. Just because part of the property, Melanie, is in a floodplain does not mean the home itself is in a floodplain. And so your agent should be able to pull up a floodplain map to see how far the floodplain itself encroaches into your lot. If it encroaches, by the way, on the home, you're going to have to have some flood insurance, and you may or may not be able to afford that, or you may, may, may or not want to afford it. But the reality is, is that most times the dwelling itself is outside of the floodplain. And then you have to look at it and determine, okay, well, how far above the floodplain level is the bottom of my house? You could actually do what's called an elevation survey, and it would give you that information. Melanie, if you have any questions, 770 497-0000 is a number to call. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, if you live in a homeowners association and love it or hate it, 
You're going to want to be here for this segment. We've got Michael Crew of Homeowner Management Services. Stick with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> 